Today is Wednesday, May the 8th. Welcome to Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger. Our topic today is marketing is not a website. So Tim, in full transparency, I think we should tell people that this is an experiment that you and I and our team are always having conversations and we look back afterwards and we say, gosh, we should have captured that. Yeah, right. (laughs) And it inspired this thought of, well, we have a podcast and wouldn't it be really terrific to process a topic every few weeks that is fresh on people's minds, people are dealing with, people are asking us about. And you and I picked the first topic. And I think this is going to be our first attempt to go at it and hash it out. Well, I love this as an experiment because um, every once in a while, as I'm struggling to get my voice back from talking too much, I think it'd be great to have people just listen in to what I've already said and uh, have to say it again. So, uh, so the more we can get that out there, the better off we are. This is yet another reason your voice is going to go out on a regular basis. <laughs> or maybe you help me preserve my voice. I appreciate it. Whatever this experiment is, it's a good one for my voice. Well, the good news is, because I think you said you're in your car, you can actually talk nice and quiet. You don't have to project. I'll make it yeah, easy right. for you. Thank you. Well, I think we agreed that one topic that is, I think, an area rife with, what's the right word? Misunderstanding? Maybe is this question of marketing? Because you and I often find ourselves talking to people who see marketing as a bunch of tactics and things that you just do because you're in business. But then there's this idea that you and I keep saying, no, marketing is actually a strategy. And we said, let's, let's make that our topic for this first conversation. That what does it mean? What, marketing is a strategy. What does it mean? But you, I think you have a, a story you were going to, or an example you were going to give to sort of set this conversation up. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have a story. It actually um, was... It's more of like just a conversation I had with um, one of my clients recently. They asked me, I guess that in in a basic way, they asked me who should be in charge of our website. And what they were trying to figure out is maybe like an operational function, you know, who uploads the files or who updates it or, or something along those lines. Like when they ask who should be in charge of the website, I'm pretty sure what they're wondering is, um, Hey, how do we keep it up to date and who should we assign it to? But you and I, when we think about marketing, we're not really that concerned about the who. We, we care more of what are you trying to accomplish with your website? And then what is the messaging that you're putting on the website that makes sense? And therefore, you know, when you reach out and you drive traffic to the website, what do you want it to say? Then I think who becomes very obvious because whoever is responsible for or whoever is engaging that previous conversation to drive the traffic to the website is the one who should be in charge of the website because it's a continuation of a message that you've already started outside of the website. And I and I believe some of the confusion around this, and Joel, I, you, you and I have laughed about this over the years, is that people want to imagine like if you buy Google ads or you if you have a really good website, people will just like type your URL into a browser and they're just going to show up your website. They've never talked to you before. They've never engaged you before, but you overwhelm them with the pretty pictures. And because it's so beautiful and because it's perfect, they're just going to call you and start handing you money as a job. Wait, wait, um, you're saying that's not true? 
<laughs> uh, maybe for Amazon.com <laughs> might be true. Or maybe <laughs> Apple, maybe. But even even like let's just let's say Apple, right? Let's say that as a company. The reason I go to the Apple website is because I I heard outside of that you know my engagement with the website that they came out with a new product, and so I go to the website curious about what they have to offer or what this new product is. And when I get there, I'm not disappointed. It, it carries on the same professionalism and method and design nature the company is known for. But it, but I was already won over out of curiosity before I got there. Well, I think you're making a obviously an important distinction that there's a why, like a shared belief and mission and purpose with something like Apple that far precedes you ever interfacing with, with a website. But I, I always like to challenge assumptions. So when somebody says, you know, who should update our website? I might come back with a question called, well, why do you even have a website? Like, why have one? And because there's sort of this assumption of like, well, you know, that's what companies do. They have websites. And to your point, I would say, really? Why? Because people just magically land upon it, see our beautiful portfolio, and they call us. And that's when the owner will often say, oh, well, no. And we start digging deeper and we ask questions like, oh, you mean there's actually a purpose and the purpose has to do with pushing our positioning out into the world, having a message, really starting conversations with people, creating curiosity. And it's like, oh, well, if that's the purpose of a website, like you're, like you're saying, it's, the question is less who should be updating it, but yeah. why is updating it even part of a larger strategy? How does it fulfill the mission of why, we, why we're doing this? This and why we're marketing. So, uh, kind of to bring this point a, a little bit stronger, and then maybe we could pivot into where we we were actually talking about websites. Is that this client engaged an outside service company, um, and that outside service company wrote a proposal. And uh, I'm just going to read to you from the proposal, so you kind of get the nature of the way they were trying to solve a problem of a website, and then how we might um, solve it differently. The proposal they got from this outside vendor was, number one, authority preservation. And it says, we will review the old site's baseline. We also catalog the URLs, metadata, and we'll drive some of the architecture and targeting as well as specific elements as the launch checklist. So that's what they're worried about, the URL and the metadata. Uh, <laughs> step two, uh, targeting and architecture. Uh, defining the, the site map, we will define primary targets and then we will, um, from a standpoint of an, an analysis, look over the metadata and customize the analytics to match sure, make sure we're meeting the objectives. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm buying from this company. No, no. My favorite part is like um, they have a marketing problem, and they hired this company who can't even uh, distinguish or make clear what they're actually going to do when it comes to marketing. But the point being is, is that what is a website? Is it really a compilation of URLs, metadata, and analytics? Wow. So uh, you, I can say you can hire somebody to go look at your analytics, and you can go, great, those are analytics. What does it tell me? And, and I, later on in this objective, it will say, we're going to drive more traffic. Therefore, from your previous analytics to the final analytics, you'll get more traffic. Hmm. And my point to my client was, yeah, but of who? Like if you you get more bodies going to the to the um, to the website, but if those bodies aren't qualified or actual potential clients, does it really matter? Um, Heck no. Like the it does. Like the Rev Thing website, we probably need like four 
people to come to our website. We don't need 4,000 people to come to our website because we are using it as a tool in the process to inform our clients along the way. Um, I, I almost feel like to know why you have the website, what it's there for, what comes before and after, and then measure that might be more important than just uh, making sure your metadata is in place. The, uh, the login is correct and the analytics are up and running. Like, that is not why you have a website as a, as a design company. Wow. I'm just sitting here thinking, and this is what I love about these conversations is you stimulate my thinking in real time. Because as you were talking, I was just sitting here thinking, well, a website, in my opinion, is two things. It's your positioning and it's your portfolio. That's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what's there. And I actually have never cared about traffic coming to yeah. one of our clients' websites. Like that's, this is why I always tell people, do not invest in SEO. Do not do the AdWords. Do not do the whatever. Like that's a strategy way down the road. But we have much bigger items to knock down first. But I right, like, <laughs> right. So like in this SOW, there's nowhere that has copywriter. <laughs> like there's no one that says we're going to get the right positioning statement. So when people finally come to the website, they know what they're buying. Um, no, that's not the objective here. And, and, uh, and, and we're using this example. But Joel, I think over the years, you and I know that many people believe more traffic or analyzing the traffic is some of the objective of having a website and what you and i have learned is it's more about what you your positioning um of your company the clarity of the services um, and value you provide to your clients um, examples of that so clients can see themselves in that work um, and therefore they know where to engage you and how to engage you and it's an example of who they're going to, the relationship you're going to have with them and who they're going to be for you and you're going to be for them. Yeah. I, I, I remember there was, um, there's a, there's a big trend these days. That's all the rage called inbound. Right. And I know you, you, you know this, but for everyone's benefit, there's this school of thought that says, if you publish articles and thought leadership and you have a great blog and you have all this stuff out there and you do good SEO and you run AdWords, people will find you and your phone will ring. And there's a whole, like, I remember there was a whole rant that uh, our friend David C. Baker did about this approach. And he even named names. He talked about HubSpot because HubSpot's a big uh, sort of CRM that's built around this whole theory of inbound. Uh, for marketing agencies and advertising agencies. And it's sort of like a cult of this, like you don't actually have to have to do sales because your phone's just going to ring. And I sometimes find that the, that cult has been so successful at getting its message out into the world that it's a very deceptive or alluring tease for owners of a, of a studio or a production company because they say, well, gosh, if we just have a cool website and we do some good SEO and analytics and blah, 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 all this stuff that you just wrote through that people are going to call us and hand us projects. And it just doesn't bear out in reality. I mean, it's just not yeah, there. It's almost You're like not... the worst of that is feels like a pyramid scheme, right? Where then the, what you do is drive people to your website to prove to them that you can drive people to website and they pay you so that they can drive people to their website. Right, um, right. Like a Ponzi scheme or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I think I've, when I've looked at the numbers uh, from our, 
from our clients and our, our sort of perspective from across a bunch of companies in the industry, I usually find there's this mix of strong companies have about 40% of their work, give or take, is repeat and referrals based. And then maybe 15 or 20% is inbound if you're good at it. But then fully 40% that remains is this slice of the pie I call outbound, which means we went and got it. Like we reached out and we went and talked to that client and we attracted them and won a piece of business from them. That's really, that's really what I find a website does for you is when you reach out to someone cold and you say, Hey, Apple, Hey, Nike, Hey, Discovery Channel, we want to work with you. They will visit your website and say, wow, these guys look interesting. I'm really curious. I want to learn more. Let's have a conversation. Mission accomplished. That's what a website does. It creates curiosity. It starts a conversation. And most of those clients will never go back to that website. Because once you start a conversation, they're like, why would I go to your website? I can just pick up the phone and call you and talk about my needs or my project or what have you. So that's so it's really a qualifier along the value proposition, right? So when you do the outbound and then they reference, are you qualified? I'm curious. You you made me curious. Are are you in the right caliber? Um, but but the, there's the other side of uh, qualified too, um, which I appreciate when you kind of teach this at the conferences, is that it's not just um, the company being qualified, you know, this the, the the vendor or the service person being qualified, but it's also qualifying your clients. It's also yeah. a client saying, wow, they look too expensive for me. And, and that's doing you a favor, right? That's actually creating a benefit to you that you're actually um, moving your value into the right criteria that your clients recognize that they can contribute or, or work alongside you and get a value out of it. And it's worth their time and money and not wasting um, time and any other factor trying to qualify them. Yeah, well, <clears throat> maybe maybe expand on that. Like, why would it be a good thing for a company to go to a studio's website and disqualify themselves and not call you? Because if I'm an owner, I think, no, I want to, I want to talk to, I want every project. I want every job. I want every check coming my way. Well, think of it like this, right? This is the easiest way to think about it. Imagine a client going to your website and you look too cheap. Um, or you look less expensive than you are. Can you imagine the hurdle you have to overcome um, if they if they think that they can get away with something that won't cost them much, and then you are actually trying to upsell them into a higher value pyramid or higher um, project proposition than they were planning on because they came across your website and you talked about you're the low price leader in these categories. Um, well, this is, yeah, because there's all these words that I think, especially owners, this is where we get to the question of who should do the website. <laughs> Sometimes owners have to get out of their own way. Um, Cause I'm thinking of specifically um, a client that I'm working with internationally where they have language on their website, positioning language that they think it means it looks like, Hey, we're really helpful. We're very service oriented. But what I told them was, no, this makes you look subservient and cheap. Like we'll help, we can come into any point of the process and help with any part of the project necessary. And, you know, these, this type of thing. 
And I said, wait a minute, this is disqualifying the clients that you actually want who have big, scary problems and you want to handle the whole thing. You've just set yourself up for, oh yeah, we'll take any piece of the pie. We're not, we're not uh, the experts at doing the whole thing. We'll just take a little piece of it. So you're, you're telling people that you're cheap. Yeah. So um, why don't you answer this question for us? Because uh, you've done this successfully with many of our clients. But when you, when you help a client with their quote-unquote website, um, like you did laundry and like you did state, what, what is that process like? So um, a client asks you, hey, Joel, can you help us with our website? Where do you start the conversation and kind of formulate it in the right uh, category to begin the conversation so it gets the objectives that, that you want to get out of it? Well, I, I, it's, it's mostly starting with the question of, well, what's the big dream? What's the big idea? Where is that we're trying to get to over the, in the years ahead, such that a website can be part of an overall strategy. Give me and an example I, of that. Give me an example of a big idea. Cause that just sounds like some fluffy business words that you read sure. out of a Simon sure. book. Well, I mean, a big idea that, that I would say is very common nowadays is we want to increasingly work with brands directly, not just advertising agencies, not just broadcast and entertainment companies. We feel for various reasons, the need to go after brands. And then the question then becomes, okay, well, the purpose of a website is it's simply a tactic in an overall strategy called marketing. And I define great marketing as creating curiosity that leads to conversations, right? There's one of my convenient three C things. Yeah, three C. <laughs> it's like, that's how I remember it. Um, so my question is always, how can, if our marketing strategy is we're going to create <laughs> curiosity that, that creates conversations, is a website an appropriate tool or tactic as a means to that end? And the answer is almost always yes. But then we start to ask other questions like, okay, great. How can the website be a, a, a tool through which we push our positioning out into the world and back it up with a portfolio to help stimulate those conversations? Okay, so let's break those into two categories because, again, I believe most of um, the, the folks in our industry, when they build a website, they're, they're concerned about portfolio first. Um, and I think we know what portfolio means, but just real quick, let's explain what you mean by portfolio. And then I want to talk really about positioning. Sure, sure. Well, the portfolio is the body of work. It is past work that you've done for clients that you put up on your website to show these are examples of projects that we've done for specific clients for actual needs. And it demonstrates any number of things. It can demonstrate your style, your aesthetic. It might de demonstrate your specific technical expertise. It might demonstrate any number of characteristics about your expertise. So uh, what I love about your your explanation of positioning and the reality, I'm sorry, um, portfolio, and the reality of what's necessary in portfolio is the fact that it it's supposed to demonstrate. So I would say if you are a person building a website and you put something on the site in your portfolio category, you should know what it demonstrates. It should have a specific reason. Just because it's the latest job doesn't mean it qualifies. <laughs> I'm chuckling because, Tim, I was so guilty of what you just implied there. 
in the past when I, back in the day when I ran my studio, it was like, we just finished this project quick, get it up on the website. We want to get it out there and get people excited, but you're right. It, it has to serve a purpose because in a, in a way I, I actually just had, I just had this chat earlier today with someone. I said, look, the portfolio on your website is the what that proves your why. And here I'm referencing the famous Simon Sinek, start with why Ted talk that the work that you show is ultimately there to prove that you are serious about your why. So when you start to talk in your positioning about this is why we exist and our mission and our point of view and all of these amazing things, and we can get into positioning in a second, all that work there simply proves that you're serious about it. And if it doesn't help prove that positioning, then it becomes a distraction. It becomes a noise. And we know this, that a confused prospect never buys. They just yeah. don't know what to do with it. And they, they move on. They're, they're confused. Yeah, well said. And, and um, the, I, the idea that you actually qualify stuff for your website to keep a message moving forward, not just blanket it with every possible thing so that the client discerns what the message is, but you, you cultivate that in such a way that you can, you can target it. Um, you also have to recognize, and Joel, this, you, um, your company was before this new piece of technology called social media. I don't want to age how old your company was, but I do know when you started your company, social media wasn't around yet. So showing that how, how long ago you started. But the reality is that there are actually other platforms. So you do have a platform for your latest work. It's called LinkedIn or Instagram. It will be seen and as a platform, but the website is, is not necessarily where that belongs. Um, you also have email and email campaigns and email outreach to put specific reels together. So that might be a, a, even a, a smaller positioning or a smaller um, criteria that you were going after a specific project, that's what a, a one-off reel is for. And, and WireDrive and those Frame.io and those programs allow you to do that more direct targeting. Um, the, the website really is about messaging and that portfolio is part of that message. And then of course, the other part of it is positioning. So you talk about positioning a lot. So this is your chance to say it once so you don't have to repeat yourself again, right? <clears throat> but what's right let's talk about why we worry about positioning when it comes to a website what is positioning and how does it work when it comes to that part of marketing yeah i'm on the spot right now because positioning is so many things i'm trying to boil it down to the simplest simplest essence i, I feel like it, seven s's to describe it or <laughs> nine r's to... I, I should i should well i would sum it up this way that um Positioning overall is a strategy of carving out a position in the mind of your client that's distinct from others. So when you think of, for example, uh, you might say in blue jeans, there's Calvin Klein and then there's Levi's. Well, one is clearly positioned as a fashion denim brand. And the other one is fashioned as an all-American everyday denim blue jean brand. That's positioning. It's like in my mind, okay, I know where they are, what they're about. And then I know what the other one is. And I, I can understand how they relate to one another. So when it comes to a creative company, positioning is something that, that obviously this is why we're big advocates of having a narrow positioning is the more narrow your positioning is, the more likely you are to carve out a very distinct place in the mind 
of your client. And the really important thing here is to recognize that positioning is what enables you to break through and start a conversation. It's not the end all be all. Because you know this, uh, Tim, owners always have this fear of, yeah, but if I'm, if I'm narrow, people will only call on us for that type of work. And yeah. then we're going to lose all these opportunities. And I, and I, there's so many flaws behind that. We can unpack that. But um, just to keep it on, on point, that's really my definition of positioning. It is what's your message that carves out a distinct position in the mind of your potential client that's different relative to other competing firms. Um, yeah, I, I love that idea because the worst thing that you can do, maybe not the worst thing, but a, a, a sin most of us commit when thinking about a website is looking at our competitors and then saying, our competitor said this, our competitor does this, therefore we should match it. And what happens when you follow that logic or that lead is you become like others. And that opportunity for unique positioning goes away because you're blending in. So you can look at others and admire the work they're doing, but most likely what you admire is that they are unique and your goal has to be to stand alone and be unique as well. Well, here's the acid test. Can you take some other firm's name and insert it on your website's positioning language, your about us, and it still works? And if it works at all, you have more work to do. Like you should not be able to just take out your company name and insert another company name and it works. If that's the case, you've got more work to do because really all you've done is stolen either somebody else's positioning or you've just used cliches and stereotypes like storytelling and collaboration and teamwork and blah, blah, blah. And these are all completely worthless words when it comes to positioning. But like you said, we use them because they seem to be terms that everyone else is using and they're all getting work and they all have cool clients. So I guess that's what we should do. Well, and, and the same exact exercise, but in reverse would be if someone were to take the text off of your, your website and put it on theirs, would you identify it as plagiarism? Um, or <laughs> that's could, a good, right? I like that. That's a good standard. Yeah. And I and I, I we I've had I've been in a situation where uh, someone has called me and they are being sued because um, they had copied someone's website and they were actually identified as plagiarizing because it was so unique what was being said and and, and compared to others in the marketplace. So it's it's knowing something and have something very unique. So when I think of like laundry and when they call themselves mis misfits is misfits are put on some other person's website, you would clearly know they took Laundry's idea and their position. Well, you, okay. So I just had a thought. You've inspired me with a Whoa. really interesting <laughs> notion. Yeah. Maybe this is an original thought. I don't know. But I, what, what about the idea of taking your tagline or your slogan? Could you put a TM on it and reasonably defend that TM, that trademark? Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question because I was just thinking about, for example, like laundry, right? I think it's artists, misfits, experts of the unexpected, uh, the wild card, that whole language that you could put a reasonably put a TM on that 
because that's them. That's only them. And if somebody else took that language and tried to use it, you would say, yeah, no, <laughs> you go, that's, yeah. that's arguably our, <clears throat> our trademark. It creates like a different standard in my mind because if someone came to me and said, oh yeah, our, our about us line is we're a collaborative studio that believes in the power of storytelling and the opportunity to create an, an emotional impact with the viewers. Okay. I think I actually read a positioning statement like that on a studio the other day. And I, I kind of groaned. You can never TM that statement. No, because it's what everyone does. It's what everyone says. Yeah. So our, so the purpose of positioning really is to set you apart. And, and I, again, kind of coming back to the website or specifically marketing, when you have the, the basis of your experience, and in, in, in the case of a website, you're showing your portfolio to prove that you're qualified, to give some kind of criteria of the work and clients that you work with, and then a positioning that sets you apart so people can identify you uniquely in the industry and establish out or carve out in their mind that category that you fit in. So when they're thinking of a, a production partner to work with, you come to mind right away because you've established something solid in their mind to separate you and, and have a criteria that's strong enough. Then the reality is you've actually solved the basis of all your marketing, right? So it's not just the website itself, but now you can push, push that message and that purpose and that criteria out into any format, social media, email, uh, standing at a conference, commenting on other people's social media posts, whatever that outreach is that you do, you now have a criteria to do that work. I, I'm so in love with what, with what you just said, because what you did was you just revealed the strategy that lies beneath a website. A website's a cool tactic to execute a, a strategy called marketing. And part of marketing is this language and this vocabulary that we're going to use no matter where we are. So if at a conference and somebody bumps into me and says, what does XYZ Studios do? Who are you, right? It's a social media touch. It's even when I send somebody a proposal. Why is it called a proposal? Maybe it's called something else. Like you start to recognize the opportunity of, oh, okay. A website is just one expression of our positioning and, our, and, and part of our overall marketing strategy. So I love what you said. That's that's great. Create, create a universe of language and vocabulary that you uniquely own. So no matter yeah. how you reach out into the world and express yourself in all these various platforms and other things, that there's this unique and distinct thing that people say, oh, that's laundry. Oh, that's state. Oh, that's the other guys. And I, I have this optimistic view that, you know, there's a million, what is it? 16.7 million colors in 24 bit color <laughs> that, that right. there's so many, there's so many colors in the rainbow. You just have to find your color and there's going to be people out there that connect with it and want to work with you. And they need that specialized expertise. And the nearer you are, the more they can identify you, recognize you. There's going to be plenty of opportunity. Don't worry about, yeah. you know, don't worry about, Oh no, we're turning away so many people in the world. Cause if you, if any one studio even captured 1% of the marketplace, they'd be a, they'd be a $200 million studio. Yeah. <clears throat> and here's, you know, we can talk outside of marketing of what really affects us as business owners in reality is our desire is that marketing generates sales. Um, we want uh, marketing is the first place that we create our doubt. 
you know, like if we just had the right marketing, we would have won that project or we would have been able to get that thing. So it's the first place that we have doubt. Um, it has a bottom line of sales and it's our most forward facing piece. And we have a very hard time being um, vulnerable to actually talking about ourselves. So it's easier to be like everyone else because then you actually um, don't have that criteria of judgment in trying to become unique. And, uh, and trust me, I'm speaking from my heart right now. It's why I don't walk around with orange hair. Um, there's some, some reality that I don't want to be that unique and, and stand out that much in a crowd, uh, regardless of what I know, that those who have that unique style or have that unique presence are recognized more often and, and more sought after. And I can tell myself, I could teach others all day long, but uh, sometimes when it comes to just looking at yourself in the mirror, it becomes very hard. Um, so that's some, those are other factors outside of marketing and website and whatever is to, is that pressure of is some it, of those items. Of. Tim, do you think it's a fear of rejection that if I'm too unique, too narrow and people don't like me, then I will fail. Of course. And look like a goofball, look like a loser. I mean, Joel, I, I'm not immune to this and, and, and you know it better than anyone else. Um, the website you inherited when you joined RevFink. I, I had this I, I had this marketing strategy of, of, of I was the best kept secret. So you had to know me to hire me. Um, I was more of the fixer kind of guy and I had a unique place. I was getting results, there was no problem. But when you started asking me and asking me to put things out there about me, I thought to myself, there's no way in heck I'm gonna do that. There's absolute, there's no way I'm gonna reveal this stuff to the world because um, I felt like it was close to me. Um, I knew it provided value for the people that trusted me. I didn't know if it provided value for, for a general audience. Um, and I didn't want to dumb down my message for everyone in such a way that I was pandering. I wanted to, uh, you know, I feel like what we provide is unique. And I feel like our heart is so much into the work we're doing. There's, a, there's absolute understanding of belief in the product, belief in our clients, um, purpose and and compassion and strength that comes to assume that anybody can just consume it. I, I didn't like it. So yeah, no, it's very vulnerable. Well, I'm chuckling because I'm thinking of the the numerous occasions when you and I have been somewhere in the world and you have to do a bit of clothes shopping and you always remark, why is it everything I end up with is blue? I think my entire closet <laughs> yes. is blue and this is Tim's positioning problem, right? <laughs> Dude, you know this. You know this is true about me, right? I've walked into stores to buy a black jacket, and then I come home, and my wife says that looks like all the other jackets. And I said, "No, it's not," and she goes, "Sure, it's blue." And I think to myself, "Wait, I bought another blue jacket." I looked down, and I did. And I, in my mind, I was going to go buy a black one. Like, I have no idea what happens when it comes to that. <laughs> exactly right. It's so crazy. So there is something to be said for momentum and habit. Right. Because like clearly if you're a studio owner to a certain extent, part of the fear is why would we change if what we've been doing has been working? But you and I know this, that when things start to change and things start to decline and you, you do have that knee jerk fear called, well, we need to figure out our marketing. We need a new website. Somebody give me a new reel, go, go cut a new reel. 
give me a new director I can put on our roster. I mean, it's sort of like this scramble for just give me something, just give me something. And there's obviously something deeper there that will, I think, solve the problem and the issue, but you may have to break some habits and some, some norms that you've become quite comfortable with. Like and, another and I feel like we're uh, I feel like we're getting dangerously close to if Ashley hears us keep on talking about this and not loop her in, she's gonna be mad at us. Because the <laughs> tactic <laughs> the tactic of a value ladder that she is um, perfecting and helping others and moving them through that marketing process so that those that strategy is step by step into that language. And actually developing a relationship through marketing instead of waiting till develop a relationship through sales um, becomes a part of an actual strategy, an actual step-by-step purpose and plan that you can walk through. But again, like if I talk about this too much, Ashley's going to be mad because this is what she she does for RevThink. And she's going to um, wonder why she couldn't be on this podcast with us. Well, she can. We'll just we'll just tear up and uh, should we should we look in right now as part of our experiment? We just start calling people out of the blue and asking them to join us. Last five minutes of podcast. That that would be that we should start doing that because that would be pretty fun. <laughs> she might be a little mad if we don't give her at least some advance warning of, "Hey, you're on the podcast. Tell us what you think about topic." Cool. I say we call your mom then first. We're going to call people out of the blue. Let's find out about Joel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, look, you know what she would tell you is that there was the first 10 years that I ran my studio, I actually thought my job was just to be, I could be laid back and reserved and it's sort of all about everyone else. I'm just creating the stage on which others perform after all. And then I entered this season of, you know what? I think I have to have a point of view. I think I have a a strong opinion because if I get... If I invite a senior vice president with TV network to lunch, you don't just show up and go, hey, you know, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Like you had better show up and have something to talk about that's provocative, that has a point of view, that you have a mission that you're trying to further in the world, or else you just blend in with everybody else that's just like, hey, have you got a project we can help you with? I mean, that's just not what the world needs and I don't even think it's what gets you out of bed in the morning. You don't get out of bed in the morning because somebody just has a project and you're, you're the guy or the girl to do it and you, you, you can do it. So sure. Why not? I mean, there's just so much. And it actually doesn't, it, it doesn't solve the need for growth. It doesn't solve the need for revenue. It doesn't solve the need for um, a long-term career. Um, you, it, you just fail across all the expectations. It's, it feels right. And, and again, some of the worst um, habits in this is that if you look to others, they're doing it. So you feel like it must be right. Um, but it's not just because a group of people are doing it or the, uh, you, if you want to find the lowest possible criteria to justify your, your existence or your strategy, you can easily find it everywhere. Um, but trying to get people to those long-term results, which we've been able to do year after year now, over and over again with our clients, we know there's something unique, and I think that unique quality and that unique um, purpose and steps are what make the difference. Um, so a- as it took for me to trust an outsider, you, to do it right, um, it's often good to also trust outsiders in the case of maybe our clients with us or mentors and friends or hiring, you know, one agency hiring another agency is, you know, is a possible tactic as well. Um, don't be afraid to take some steps 
to uh, achieving what you need to. Well, speaking of the story you gave earlier, uh, about 30 minutes ago, I, I have a killer resource now for web design and development. But again, we got to recognize that a website is merely a tactic. <laughs> the larger strategy is a thing called marketing. And that's really where the opportunity lies. But maybe I should connect your, uh, your client with this, uh, this expert resource so they can lean on somebody who really knows what they're doing and is not hung up on analytics and metrics yeah, right. and URLs and all this sort of gobbledygook. Joel, I'm going to send this to you after this. And, and uh, I'll even send you the email thread between me. Oh, I look forward. This will be great material to help me put, put me to sleep at night. Um, yeah, that, I was going to say, like, there's so many kind of unique, uh, I mean, not unique. There's so many interesting ideas that they're trying to convey, but the message isn't clear. And I kept, as I read this stuff, I thought to myself, how does a marketing agency create a proposal that is so hard to understand? If you think a marketing agency should make that stuff the easiest, what they provide, how they're going to do it, what the return on value is going to be. Um, so... I can't wait to send it to you so you can kind yeah, of the chuckle along. The word that comes to my mind is obfuscation. Uh, did you just make up that word? <laughs> no. I so, learned that one a few years ago. from driving in their car listening to this podcast right now now has to figure out how to get Siri to look up that word. <laughs> well, it's a good one. And you definitely do not want your website or pr proposals from your expert vendors to obfuscate. So that's your word for the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, thanks for this conversation, Tim. I'm glad that we've got this first episode of uh, Joel and Tim's banter under our belts. And I look forward to inviting Ashley and our other teammates and experts into the conversations that will, are yet to come. Is that going to be our URL, uh, joelandtimsbanter.com? <laughs> I'm sure it's available. I'm sure it is. But uh, who's going to manage the analytics for it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> 